Hello everyone and welcome to the Priceless Podcast. My name is Mikhail Sechen. The Priceless Podcast is made in partnership with the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups. Subscribe, like, comment if you like. Uh, you can also share this podcast. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and of course support this podcast so it can continue its work. My guest today comes from the Ukraine. We all hear about the Ukraine a lot these days in the news. And my guest is Helga Godunok. She lives uh, in Kiev right now, or she's all, she always lived in Kiev. Um, she is a culturologist, that's her first degree, and uh, also a psychologist. But why should I tell a lot about Helga when she can tell us herself. Hello, Helga, and welcome to the Priceless Podcast. Thank you much. Uh, everything was sold. <laughs> I'm Helga. I'm from Ukraine. Uh, yeah, my first degree was culturologist, but more than that, I was a teacher uh, for child. I was teaching uh, solfeggio and um, music literature. It's like history of music or something like that and also development of ukrainian music and else so uh, when the war started i was working as a teacher and as a child psychologist for groups of childs who was in a war situation face to face and had an opportunity to came to more safety place and uh, like avoid some volunteer work uh, to sharing our stories and to help people, uh, to help children to um, be more comfortable in war situations. Thank you so much uh, for sharing this with us. Uh, before uh, we get more into some topics, uh, would you be willing to share your sexual orientation and gender identity? I think I this woman and identify myself of subject woman. It looks for me like more, like more than lesbian. I don't know. Mm. It sounds weird. Like it's some uh, cultural identity for Ukraine and some people in Ukraine prefer say I'm subject woman more than I'm lesbian. Because it's mm. like that uh, we discuss uh, Slavic tradition in Ukraine and uh, maybe a word Slavic tradition. I have just had a red book. It's the first uh, woman poetrist from Greece, and there are a lot of Slavic poems from them, like the most ancient uh, poems from women and from Slavic people. Can you explain a little bit the term Sapphic, what it means? Uh, Sapphic uh, was built from Sappho, it's ancient Greece poetrist, and uh, she built some school for girls who was uh, like writing some music or uh, some writers for gods, for ancient gods, and uh, she had some exciting type of life, love to her sister, to her, the people who work with her, and uh, 
just it was like uh, some communes uh, for girls who live together, who work together, and uh, I love this way of being a partnership. So it does have to do like a partnership between women and yeah. and a special love between women. Good. So how is it to be a sapphic woman or identify as sapphic in the Ukraine? I think it's okay because uh, Ukraine from science time was a uh, material country because uh, there was a lot of crowds uh, or uh, groups of people who lived uh, in ancient time and uh, they uh, and women were ahead of these groups. Then uh, if we look for Ukrainian history, this territory was uh, a first place in the world when women uh, was some um, in judgment they was able to write, to read, and uh, to do some judgments, like in a court. I think it gives uh, gives us some proud of women and uh, being patient about women. As for now, it's interesting and complex question, because for me, it's pretty okay. But there are a lot of... Uh, some groups that may be aggressive to lesbians people. There are a lot of groups for Ukrainian society. Some ones are left, it's unrehist uh, people or democratic people, and they really understand that uh, homosexuality is a part of society, that is natural things for people for homo sapiens, I don't know. And uh, sometimes there is some right groups and uh, it's mostly young people from school or something like that, but uh, they do some vandals actions, some, they do some aggressive action from for uh, LGBT society and ads. Also, like, I think the war was... Uh, like a big step for LGBTQ plus people in Ukraine to visibility, to being more powerful in a social way. Of course, um, we organized some battalions where was uh, only LGBTQ plus people. It's safer, uh, like in ordinary army, but uh, mostly it lets us. Uh, to have a most weight in social opinion. So when uh, our minister decided to deny social partnerships uh, in uh, Ukraine, just military, LGBTQ military was cooperated with Minister of Military System in Ukraine and had conversation and then this law about civil partnership was uh, adopted and it works now. So we do partnership that uh, civil partnership for LGBTQ plus people, uh, but we hadn't this opportunity before the war uh, started. And I think now more people 
understand not only homosexual people understand that our rights is important and it is ordinary uh, people's right. Hmm. Tell me, you you are talking about the battalions, the LGBT IQ battalions. Do you see any change in the public opinion uh, about LGBTIQ plus people? Uh, and what change did you see? Yeah, it changed a lot. Uh, as for past time, you know, uh, a lot of people said that it's weird because it was uh, frightened against us, like uh, they was shocked about it and thought that it's something, some crimes, I don't know, it is adorable, it is strange. They were afraid of us. And now where this large battalion of LGBTQ plus people and a lot of LGBTQ plus organization was cooperate uh, to volunteer for to help our people to save to save our people and ads, uh, people around us uh, understood that we are not so dangerous or something like that. They saw that we are normal people, we ordinary people, and we also Ukrainian, and we also help our people. As for example, uh, when we need to do a new law about our rights, we write some petition, and we need a lot of science to this petition to be discussed in parliament uh, in Ukraine. And all these petitions that was done uh, before the war started couldn't, wasn't being able to achieve the necessary number. And now it's okay. So. Uh, since the war started, we have ratified Istanbul Convention uh, that is extremely important for us. If, uh, and I see that it helps a lot of people now. It, so it's work. And, uh, but the problem we was trying to ratify this convention since, I don't know, 2004th year and there was no change, uh, so it was really hard. But now we have uh, big progress because uh, non-homosexual uh, people uh, understand us and they understand that our Ukrainian society needs their help and we need their help. Uh, sounds really great. <laughs> I'm glad that change is happening and that, that there some steps forward towards a bigger uh, freedom uh, from what I hear and I hope that this is going to work and that you're going to have the necessary support of your society and politicians. I wanted to ask you how is it with uh, your family? How is your connection to your family and relationship uh, considering you or did you come out to them as a sapphic woman and how did they uh, react? I think pretty okay. Uh, I don't know, since my childhood I used uh, this strategy when you live like you live and then you say, oh, I meet with my girlfriend, friend who just say it like something ordinary and then don't understand why. When the time came, uh, they like feel good with it. 
so there was no aggressive, I think. Yeah, that's good. You already mentioned uh, the Sapphic history of Ukraine or that it was a matriarchy in, in, in the Ukraine. Can you tell us a little bit about this history? Uh, it was uh, in my lecture on LGBTQ plus forum, <laughs> so I don't remember what I was saying at all. <laughs> I think for all Ukrainians, um, Ukrainian history, we had some women uh, had some weight in society and uh, for example very important period is uh, kazakh sign if i'm not uh, mistaken as it looks like in english like it was some groups some military groups who was uh, saving ukrainian people from some another I don't know, because it was like a little bit uh, about uh, geography. We don't have uh, no mountains. We don't have any woods in our places. So there was a lot of uh, groups of people who wasn't uh, organized in, in some city or village. I don't know. So, and then was just uh, going through this uh, territory, fight with some people who has the privilege or cities and lives by that. And Kazakh was uh, this military group who saved Ukrainian village or cities from these people who had to attack. Uh, this peace place to still alive. So uh, a lot of men was in this group, but we also see uh, the historical um, sign that women also was in Kazakh's uh, military, uh, something like that. And uh, but it were more uh, it was more idea. So uh, all of um, homework, I mean, um, doing bread, uh, doing some items to eat, uh, something to sleep. It was um, women's work. Women was supposed to, to cooperate with us and uh, every Ukrainian village for this time was like a lot of women and children who do all of the work, who works together, who mostly live together and who help each other. So it was like, uh, I don't know, communes. So it made some friendship for <laughs> for women. And uh, I think we have it, something of connection with women. Women in Ukraine uh, early started to study. Like 70th century, they had some universities and they could study there, I think that's why. And how much do Ukrainians today know about this history? That women were really in charge, actually, because the men, if I understood it right, men were mostly in war uh, and women were in charge of everything else that was happening. So how much do you learn today about this history? Uh, 
um, mostly it doesn't means of uh, sophic relationship, but we study it at school, so everybody know that uh, all Ukrainian society, like uh, all Ukrainian village and cities, was built by women, and it's like ordinary force. So they do learn about this history, but not really about this part of love between women that was also happening at that time. How do you see this history helping the LGBTIQ community today? Because from what I understood, it supports the LGBTIQ community in the Ukraine because that's something that they can re refer to. So in which ways do you see this history helping the LGBTIQ community? I think our history teach us to support each other. And so from nowadays, uh, we have strong connection with uh, a lot of um, LGBTQ plus organization and etc. They always help you when you need, and you always help them if they need, and you can help them. I think it's about support each other. Mm. So the future for LGBTIQ people in the Ukraine, what do you think, how it looks like, and what do does the LGBTIQ community need, or what are even the specific needs for these different uh, groups like lesbians, gays, trans, intersex? For question for me, of course, uh, for nowadays we also have a lot of problems uh, in society for LGBTQ plus people, etc. The main problems nowadays is that we can do some meetings or protests because of work time. Uh, so it is denied as for now, and then they do some strange law that can hurt our society. I mean, LGBTQ plus society, we don't uh, have any opportunity to stop it or something like that. So all of the activities is writing petition and do some uh, material for hiring of a disability, like something like that, to talk about us, etc. And it's hard for me because uh, you don't even haven't got any opportunity to draw something and go with this posture in society and talk with people because it's like some country region <laughs> and it's i'm afraid to fit it uh because uh, they always want to do something strong in law plan for example, she works on uh, resignation of one guy whose name is Mikhailo Hevronyuk. He works on uh, changing uh, crime uh, code in Ukraine about uh, gender-based violence. 
and he proposes a durable thing that <laughs> very very bad, extremely bad. So yeah, he proposed to criminalize the action of um, victims of gender-based violence who told to police that that someone do it for her. Mm, yeah, that someone raped her or was aggressive yeah. towards her or yeah and uh, we was active for a long time to achieve the to ratificate Istanbul convention and that someone's proposed to do it like a crime and yeah, i'm uh, really afraid of it and so painful topic of course uh if they allowed this it will be working after two years comes. Yeah, but uh, it's strange. We don't even have an opportunity to protest, to fight. So we sign petition, write petition, write some letters to minister, and this is all that we can do. And it's shit, that's for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I hear is that there are some things that are happening which are working for a good, especially towards LGBTIQ people, but at the same time the war is bringing very bad things in restricting you to protest, to go outside and fight some things that are really bad, like making this law which is criminalizing women actually acting against uh, perpetrators uh, or saying anything against perpetrators. Wow. It's really strange. So uh, I I see this news and I think what shit happens. Uh, And uh, even this time when a lot of rapes, a lot of uh, victims of this... uh, of sexualized uh, violence and this law is something like strange less yeah it sounds like it's even more victimizing victims yeah it is and yeah i had an opportunity i work a lot with raped women who had an experience of sexual violence because of the war and it's very harmful topic for me. I can see that, yeah. I mean, you are someone, if you worked with them, you know their stories and you understand what harm it does for these to these victims. Oh, so with all of this, where do you get your hope from that things are going to get better? Just hope. And prayer. <laughs> As for now, it's very horrible times for Ukraine people. Of course, even when war stopped, even when we won it, we will have a lot of people with PTSD, a lot of child with PTSD, and uh, according to Ukrainian statistic. Uh, more than 70% of people now have a PTSD, then it will be a big problem, a big problem for rebuilding our cities to 
I don't know, to have watchers in our home to be warm. And uh, I think even if it stops as soon as it is possible, we will be destroyed for years. Yes. I really hope, all, all I wish is this, that this war ends as soon as possible. How is it in this whole situation, but also in Ukraine in general, and maybe also from your experience, how is it actually to figure out your own sexuality? Our childs or teenager, they have an, uh, enough information as for me, uh, when I was a child, I also had this information, and then you can choose who you are. But it's not for all people in Ukraine, that's for, of course, some people doesn't have uh, the necessary information. Um, it becoming a big problem. As for now, I work on my uh, project uh, for teacher about sexual education uh, for child, for school, etc. And we do some some lectures, some studies for a child to understand how does uh, our social communication works and what can be okay and what's not okay. Also, I work with some teachers for undergrade school, if I'm not mistaken, like the youngest school, uh, to how to react on some child actions. For example, when someone's push you, a lot of uh, old teachers said that you is liked by him so he liked you that's why he do it and uh, you don't have an opportunity to get help it's for my work yeah i have a situation with when i was having some some lesson team up if you know what this it's from save the children they do some projects some active games for a child for socialization, social health, etc., for young people. And we do this, this program with some school. And one girl crying came to me and uh, said that this guy likes me and he do strange things. Can you stop it? <laughs> I do it for five minutes before we started our lesson. I talked to her to understand what was going on. I actually told that uh, it's really not normal, so I will talk with him, and if he continue, continue to do it, like, tell me, because I will be here next week. And when I was talking with this guy, he shared with me that he really likes her, but he don't understand how to show it, how to be normal, uh, in that how not to harm 
people and I actually was surprised when I understood that this guy just wasn't thinking about talking with his parents. Uh, talking about, oh, mom, I like some girl, what should I do? <laughs> and uh, all these people, all this child was talking to his, to their teachers, and teachers said, it's okay, it is no problem. <laughs> so, yeah, when I was going for walk to administration of school, saying that it's not okay, it's not normal, please pay attention on that. And actually, they do some action to make uh, teachers know what they gonna do in this situation, what will be okay to do in this situation. We started to do a lot of uh, studies, a lot of lectures, or teach you after that. <laughs> Next time when I came to this class, both of them told me that everything is okay. They stay after school together, in school, to do homework together. And they are happy a lot <laughs> of it. <laughs> great, great. What an amazing story. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing this. So, uh, yeah, we do this courses, we do some Mm, some studies, some courses for children about sexual education. Uh, we do some instructage for teachers, uh, parents, something else. So important people for this child. I think that I want from this is to make people talking about this feeling their about how are they and uh, to communicate with each other and then we obviously give some information to children about their health about some sexuality about what is okay what's not okay about how not to rape obviously to make this topic is more open to our teenagers and child. Mm -hmm. So are you, is this, is this a part where you are also able to talk about sex, different sexual orientations and gender identities or is that too soon? Uh, I do it. I'm not uh, sure that there will be no problem for me, but when a uh, child uh, asks me, I answer, and I answer the way that it's okay. And other, uh, when I started my activism, there was a lot of people who came to me just uh, asking for asking me to talk about sex with their child, childs, because they can't talk with them. And of course, I say that it is a topic that you should talk with child about, and we just co cooperate. They uh, talk with each child about some parts. And then when uh, child have some questions that parents can't uh, can answer 
they goes to me and I answer their question as a psychologist, as a teacher, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's still not so strange because so many people don't know how to talk to their children about sex, about sexuality. They don't know what to say, what is appropriate, what is not appropriate. And I uh, I mean, only looking back and even nowadays, so many countries, especially in the eastern part of Europe, they still don't have any sexual education. So at the end of this interview, I want to ask you, is there anything else that you would like to share that I haven't asked you? May I say that? Thank you much for your work. It was interesting. And also I was uh, listening to your podcast. It is very good. I like it so much. And I share it a lot. Yeah. And thanks to all, all, all Europe that helps Ukraine. <laughs> My English today is not enough good, so it was some strange moment and I can't remind any words to say something correct. It's not always easy to talk in a different language and I'm so thankful that you were willing to do this interview, although, uh, you know, you had a hard day with, with English and couldn't find words. Uh, I know it's sometimes uh, hard. So uh, thank you so much, Helga, for taking this time, for sharing with us how it is in the Ukraine. Of course, we couldn't uh, cover everything. Uh, there are so many things happening, um, many things we hear in the news, and I know it's a hard time for you all so I wish you all the strength you need in your work uh, in everything uh, you do so thank you thank you dear viewers and listeners for being with us today uh, as I said in the beginning this podcast is made in partnership with the European Forum of LGBT Christian Groups share this podcast don't forget to comment uh, or even if you have some questions uh, let us know you can follow us on facebook and instagram and we see you next time when it's time for the priceless podcast with a new guest uh, please don't forget to support this podcast so this work can continue see you next time bye everyone and bye helga bye bye